everybody was so tense and had so much tension in their body, they had no relaxation in their body. They didn't know what relax was. So he beats the dog out of you so bad that you just get to the point that you don't care anymore and you just start moving naturally. David Merrill, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Glenn. I'm glad to be here. It's great. So could you tell us a little bit about um, yourself? I mean, to be honest, uh, you, you're something of kind of like a half mystery to me in, in terms of like uh, what, what the background is. And all I know about you for the most part is that I've trained with you a few times up at Systema HQ, maybe at like a, the breathwork seminar that Vladimir ran back in maybe like 2009. I remember training with you back then and then down at the uh, Train Fight Prevail seminar down in uh, Florida that Vladimir taught a few years ago. And I really enjoyed training with you. I thought your movement was excellent. And uh, I know that you've, you were one of the first Americans to go over to Moscow and um, visit Systema HQ to train with Mikhail. And um, I think probably the first American to actually, the, the first non-Russian to qualify in training, in teaching Systema, right? Is, am I right in saying that? Uh, yes, sir. That's correct. Yeah, bro. So can you tell us a little bit about how um, what your background was? How did you find your way to Systema? I'm guessing it wasn't the first martial art you'd done. No, I, I've, I've trained uh, in a lot of different martial arts. I've trained in Taekwondo, a little in Tai Chi and Aikido, Bagua, Shingi, a little bit of Judo. Hmm. Uh, I fought in Pancration. Wow. So I've, I've been around a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, the reality of it is, uh, for the most part, uh, I have an older brother yeah. that uh, does martial arts as well. To be perfectly honest with you, how I found Sistema was, I don't really know how I found it, but I found a little article that said Russian knife defense for a video. Yeah. And that really sparked my interest. Mm -hmm. uh, because big brother always has to hold little brother down. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, actual in reality, I mean, it's not that like life threatening or whatever it may be, but he stabbed me two or three times uh, with real knives. Wow. And uh, so when I saw the Russian knife defense, it really sparked my interest. Yeah. So I sent off for the videotape. Mm. And when I saw the videotape, even with the martial arts that I had studied, it completely blew me away. Yeah. And I said, whoa. So in the true form of martial arts, the way I knew it at the time, mm. I tried to imitate every technique that I saw Vladimir doing in the knife defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is my way of looking at it at that time. Yeah, I think a lot of us did that when the first TRS tapes came out. You know, we watched them. And we're like, all we have to do is copy the moves like everything else. So <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> How naive. So, so um, after I studied the videotape, my brother's never stabbed me since. Right. So it was, it was beneficial. Then I introduced him into Sistema. I called Vladimir up three or four times. It might have been five or six times and said, you know, I, I really like this videotape. I've never seen anything like it. I want to come study with you. Yeah. And he always said, "Nah, David, just uh, watch the video. It's OK. So okay. I kept looking at the video and I kept calling him back saying, I got to come study with you. This is unbelievable stuff. Mm. No, just watch the video. It's good. <laughs> so so I don't know how long it took, but uh, finally he said, OK, come on up. Yeah. So. Uh, I was the first American ever to leave the United States to go study with Vladimir. Mm. After three years of studying with Vladimir, he uh, invited me to uh, go over to uh, to Russia. Yeah. And I, I basically said, hmm, my Russian teacher is asking me to go to Russia. Mm. Uh, I'm in. You don't have to ask me twice. Yeah. <laughs> so so what was that experience like that was what was the first experience going over there like because you've been many times since right i think we have a shared colleague my friend uh stephen harris who used to train with us here in north carolina and since moved to portland and i th he came with you on one of the trips um it's probably uh, like later on but he's uh, yeah. even giving me some video footage of you guys training and stuff like that and it, it looked pretty spectacular can, can you tell us about what, what were your first impressions when you went to moscow hq well uh you know i went to i went to siberia first with, oh, okay. with Vladimir. So I, the first time I went, I went over to Siberia. Mm. And it, to me, it was a little nerve wracking because I was supposed to meet Vladimir in Moscow. Okay. And, and it was like, wait a minute, I can't speak the language. I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know anything. Mm. Ah, don't worry about it. You know how Vlad is. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, and somebody was supposed to meet me in the airport. And then I was supposed to meet a total stranger. And 
drive two or three hours across Moscow and go someplace else and hook up with the Vlad and then get on an Aeroflot and fly over to Siberia. So right. it was a little nerve wracking and, and about, I don't know, maybe a week before we left, yeah. he says, well, the plans have changed a little bit. Can you, uh, can you change your airfare and your, and your flight? And I went, what? He says, well, I just got the opportunity to see Mikhail, my teacher in Moscow on our way back. Hmm. So I was able to uh, change my plans and change the airfare and everything else of that nature. And um, so that's how I wound up meeting uh, Mikhail. So how? So that was um, in the same place that he's teaching out of now, in kind of like his uh, his his home dojo, for the want of a better word. Well, you know, I don't know exactly where he's moved around to. When I first met him, he was like in an old gym. Okay. Uh, in, in in Lord knows where in Moscow, but that's where it was. Right. Uh, you know, and I, you walk into the gym and it was the oldest wood floor that you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and I mean, nails were sticking up out of the, the wood. It was just, the wood was coming up off the floor and cracks all over. It was not smooth basketball court. Yeah. And mean, you, you, was, you work in high end woodworking too, right? So that'd be, something yeah, it was like, right are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, and funny. it's like, uh, you know, it, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know? And it's like, and, and, you know, you're rolling on the ground and everything else like that. And it's just like, you know, if you have too much tension, it's going to hurt. But if you relax, it's no problem. Right. So it was an eye opener. So so you went al- alone there? So you just went there and met Vladimir and then the two of you went. So you were the, the only. Uh, no, there was uh, there was one other American that went. Yeah. And then there was a uh, there was like eight people that went. OK. Um, mm. And so they were from different places in the world. Yeah. Uh, Australia. um, Canada, hmm. um, I think maybe Yugoslavia or someplace like that. Different people went. Yeah. But uh, the majority of the training that I did the first time over hmm. was downstairs at Michael's house in his own gym in the, downstairs in Michael's house. Yeah. So we, we worked out uh, there most of the time. And this was after three years of training with Vladimir, you're saying? Yeah. Correct. Gotcha. So, what was the? Uh, were there any distinctions? Was there any difference in emphasis from what? Did, did you feel that three years prepared you for training there, or was there was a there was a different level when you went to train with Michael? You know, I'm not too sure I'm prepared to train with Vladimir right this second after 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. But, uh, all of so, that, not, notwithstanding. But, yeah. So, was, so was I prepared to train with Michael? Uh, you know, truthfully, no. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I was I was uh, very excited. I was very open, very willing. Yeah. And, um, and I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the first thing I saw was some of the guys, uh, uh, with Michael, uh, Vladimir would introduce them to Michael and they would start taking punches. Mm. I mean, right off the get go, start taking punches. I mean, it, it was devastating. Mm. So, um, I didn't train with Michael actually physically the, the first day, maybe not even the second day. I don't remember what day it was, hmm. but uh, but Vladimir came up to one to me one of the afternoons or something like that and goes, David, tomorrow Michael's going to break you <laughs> and turned and walked away <laughs> to, to let you sleep on that all night long. <laughs> you know, and in my mind. I just said, let it go, let it go, because he's going to break me. What does that mean? What's this and all this other kind of stuff? And um, I said, you know what? They're not going to give me any more than what I can handle. Yeah. So just accept that. And Mm -hmm. so I I wound up getting sleep that night. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next day it was – we, we were uh, actually at the at the dojo, not downstairs in Michael's house, but at the actual dojo. Mm-hmm. And we're working and we're doing all the, you know, system of stuff that everybody knows and so forth and so on. Yeah. And then uh, Michael looked over to me and called me out. Mm-hmm. So I walk out there and Michael has a knife in his hand. Okay, a real knife, training knife. A real knife. They're, they don't believe in training knives. It's a real knife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what am I in for now? 
Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm supposed to defend myself mm-hmm. while he has a knife and he's trying to attack me with a knife. Mm. So I go out there and, you know, he comes to try to stab me and so forth and so on. And the whole deal when you start working with Michael or Vlad when you first learn, you know, anytime you get hit, you just automatically go and roll, you know, get back up and roll and get back up and roll and get back up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I escape and I don't get cut. And then, you know, he hits me and I roll and so forth and so on. And I don't know how long it lasted. It might have lasted 5, 10, 20 minutes for that matter. Okay. But when he hits you, other than trying to cut you, I was so dead dog tired. I mean, I just laid on the ground where I wasn't going to get up and play anymore. (laughs) And then he comes over and starts kicking you. Uh So then you start realizing like, you know, I got to get out of the way. I don't want to get kicked or anything. Yeah. So the whole process of this is Michael's going to break you. It was looking back on it. Everybody was so tense and had so much tension in their body. They had no relaxation in the body. They didn't know what relax was. Yeah. So he beats the dog out of you Mm. so bad that you just get to the point that you don't care anymore and you just start moving naturally. Yeah. And, And that's the idea behind it. Yeah. So after he got me to the point where it's like, I'm done. And I still got to start moving and, and working. Yeah. Then Michael gives the knife to me and okay. wants me to cut, wants me to cut Michael. All right. So um, it might have been the other way around for, for all I know. He gave me the knife and I had to try to cut him. And that's when he beat the dog out of me, I think it was. And then he took the knife. That's what it was. It was a reverse. Okay. I was supposed to stab him with the knife and that's why he was beating me up. Yeah. Okay. Um. You drop the knife, it sticks in the floor, you know, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's real. After he got done breaking me, he took the knife and it was going to come after me and stab me with the knife. I, you know, I don't know how long that lasted. I'd like to say it lasted about two minutes. Hmm. Um, but as soon as Michael saw that I was tensing back up again, yeah, he, he stopped. Hmm. So once you create the tension in your body, there's no reason to work anymore. Because you're not working in true Sistema style. Hmm. So you're got to pay attention. And, you know, as I'm teaching now, if I see somebody tense up, you know, it's time to stop. Hmm. Because it's not benefiting them any. As, a, as an instructor, it's my job, it's my responsibility to keep them calm. Yeah. Don't escalate the situation. Don't get them to where they're tense and stiff because then I'm not doing the job that I do. I need to calm them down. Yeah. So I learned that very quickly with Michael that once you have the tension or the fear comes back in. Yeah. Stop right then and there. Hmm. Yeah, that's a valuable message. In that. And plus, I mean, especially if you're working with weapons, there's a direct fear, right? He's like, well, there's no point in me doing this if you're tense. <laughs> like, if, if I stab you, I get, you're going to get cut properly because you're holding yourself in you know static where you'll be easily cut and sliced and all that kind right. of stuff. So, yeah. You know, and a good way, a yeah. good way to find out, you know, how you're carrying tension and if you're whether or not carrying tension or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, especially with knives yeah. is start out with a rubber knife that's very flexible, hmm. which I never learned this from Vladimir hmm. because it was a it was a wood knife right off the get go. Yeah. And that's what intrigued me about the knife work. Hmm. Um and after I met with Vladimir the very first time, then I came back home and I started making my own knives. And that's how I got into supplying him with all the knives that they use in training now. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, the, you're the maker of the, uh, of the, I'm the, of the maker standard, of the, the old school ones. I've got one, <laughs> I've had my, the old one for 12 years, so it's lasted well. It's still, there's a little bit of the uh, the core poking through the plastic, but other than that, it's, it's survived well. And then I've got a number of the slick is, ones. And then, yeah. Is it wood or is it, uh, originally I started making them out of wood. Oh wow! Yeah, well, then I've got the uh, the two point version. I've got the black. Um, okay, you got all life, the black. Well, yeah, then now yeah. there's the black and silver. But yeah, anyway, yeah, gotcha. yeah. Um, later on, the way you find out is you take a like a rubber knife that's flexible and you attack somebody with a flexible knife, mm-hmm. and they work they work very well. Yeah. Then you go to the one that you have. Yeah. And you see if they're working pretty good then. Yeah. Okay. Then you go to like um, a knife that has no edge on it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You, you just flatten out the edge of the knife, but it's a real metal because yeah. you have different feel and different sensation on the body yeah. from a training knife versus a real knife. Yeah. And you see how they work there. You can actually see the tension increasing every single time that you change mm. the weapon. Yeah. And you can see how they're working. And then if it progresses, then you can say, OK, let's use a real blade. 
Mm. And, and, but as soon as you see the tension stop, yeah. And then if they're if they're still working fairly well with a real blade, then you can bring out the uh, the shovel, and okay. that's when, that's when it's like no no, they can't work with the shovel. <laughs> <laughs> so so but this is a kind of a progression that you've kind of worked on later and well, since. Well, I mean, with Michael, I guess you got thrown straight, straight into the deep end with Michael. It sounds like this. Uh, okay. yeah, Vla- Vladimir or, or Constantine or yeah or one of those two guys. Uh, showed me the progression as to how you go so that you're really paying attention to the uh, person that you're working with. Sure. Yeah. So, so taking it back. So, so you're there at HQ and Michael's going to break you. you. You get physically exhausted. You, you get kind of um, broken down. He demonstrates that the tension has come back and, and stopped working then. So um, what, what happened after that? Did it, um, did it kind of morph into him working with you in different ways or did you, um, how did that first visit progress after that? Well, it's, this is my opinion. Mm. Uh, being to Russia, I've been to Russia uh, like nine different times mm. uh, to train with Michael. Uh, Michael and Vladimir teach differently. Yeah. Um, and so the way I teach is a combination of the two. Yeah. Uh, so some people, when they work with me, is like, well, where'd you learn that? Well, you know, this comes from Michael. Yeah. But yet Vladimir is the one who's teaching me everything that I need to know, but mm. just little side things. So, you just digest it all and see how it is and, and see the little nuanced differences. Mm. But the key to Sistema is it's all about what's inside of you. Yeah. It's all about what's inside of you. And that's what you have to learn. Mm-hmm. So whether it comes from Michael or comes from Vladimir or comes from anybody else that you work with, you know, you, you've got to look deep inside yourself and, yeah. and figure it out inside yourself. But presumably that was a that was a realization that you came to over time, right? Maybe it wasn't something um, that you that you started with when you came into Sistema. I know that um, for myself, I came to Sistema from Aikido and other arts, and uh, I was entranced by the TRS videos. I was living back in uh, London, and I had seen those, and I thought they were amazing. And then I got the opportunity to train with Vladimir when I came to when I moved to North Carolina, and Mark Jacobson hosted him for a seminar right after I moved here. Um, and uh, I met him and I was like, yep, this is it. This is real. This is this is what I've been looking for for a really long time. And, and just the sincerity of the man and, and, and the people he surrounded himself with. And then the first trip up to HQ shortly after that and just seeing how much skill, but also how much, you know, kindness and sincerity people had. They weren't, they weren't bullying or, you know, working from a prideful place. And I was like, yeah, this is something to aspire to, right? This is something that I kind of want to be. And so I started out just wanting to do something effective. But then over time, I realized that it was it was kind of transforming me or nudging me towards better choices as, as a person, right? And stay mm-hmm. with that. And I think that's yeah. a fairly common path in Sistema. Did, um, so to you, did it sounds like you, you saw the knife videos and thought, this is awesome. This is way more awesome than what I've been doing. And you were just kind of curious and, and diligent enough that you really wanted to chase it down, you know, like a dog with oh, a bone I- until you got that, right? Then maybe that's an aspect to your personality that you just, you know, keep, keep going until you get something. But um, at what point... How do you feel like your um, feeling of what Sistema is has changed over the years? What what was it when you first came in? What was it like kind of after the first trip to Moscow? And how has it evolved over your years of training? Because it's been many years. Yeah, the, how I came in is I came in through uh, typical, if you want to call it, hard style martial arts. Yeah. So everything was force against force. Mm-hmm. So I, I break it down to there's two basically – styles of martial arts hard style or soft style yeah so one is uh force against force the biggest fastest guy wins mm-hmm. or soft style where i'm taking your energy and turning it back against yourself yeah uh, the, you know there so even though i studied a lot of soft style arts mm. it was still hard style you yeah. know and when yeah. i got to when i got to vladimir's very very early on in my opinion it was brutal Okay. Yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. You know, um, but the beauty of it was he opened right up and said he'll show me everything and, and talk to me. Hmm. Whereas in, in typical martial arts, you know, if you're in the system and I'm a brown belt, I can only ask one level higher yeah. to find out answers. Right. I can't go to the, to the, the fifth degree black belt and get questions from him. You know, there's a pecking order. There's a hierarchy and there's a, there's a withhold, yes, withholding yes, yes. of knowledge. I, it's like, you're not ready yet. Kind of that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And leave your ego at the door 
I don't want to deal with any egos. Yeah. And opened up to you, opened up to me, and it was like, this is what it's all about. Hmm. You know, um, I don't buy into that hierarchy business, yeah. you know. Right. And and that's that's the way it was, and that's the way I came up. So when I found uh, Vladimir, it was just like incredible. But as far as I am concerned, I think all martial arts are great, hmm. and no matter what style you study. But it's my belief that you know you study different styles, and then you want to learn something different, so you go try another style. Yeah. And then you try something different, and you learn a little different style if you stay in it long enough. Hmm. But my theory is once you find a martial arts style that fits your personality, hmm. that's where you stay. Yeah. And Sistema fits my personality. Yeah. Laid back, relaxed, you know, more open, not withholding any information or anything else of that nature. It's, it's so life inspiring that hmm. you're being honest and straightforward in life as well as in the martial arts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but when I first started, I mean, I'll never forget, you know, you say when the light came on or whatever it may be. I studied probably and I don't know if this is the right thing to say or not, but I probably studied three or four years. And uh, never knew anything about form, mm. posture, breathing, relaxation, other than just, you know, relax. Yeah. I never knew any of that. And then it was like, oh, yeah, here's the four pillars of martial art, of, of Sistema. Yeah. I go, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, it's actually, this has been recounted. Uh, so I had Vali Mars, who's been training a similarly long time, right? Started training with Vladimir right after he moved to Toronto. And, um, right. And he said the same thing. He said at the beginning, you just go in there. He said, I didn't, there was no push-ups. There was no conditioning. They came, you know, Vladimir had come from a military background where it was assumed that you had to have a certain level of conditioning just to qualify to be there, you know? So it was, it was, it was like, <laughs> that's something you do on your own time. We're not going to do push-ups in class. It's ridiculous. You know? Exactly. And, and they exactly. said, you know, typically you go in there, there was no breath work. There was no warm-up stretching. You just go in there and you'd be like, all right, guys, fight. Or like, everybody get a knife and wrestle three people. And, and it was just brutal. And he came out covered in sweat. And, and, and my early oh. experience is up there, even though I came in like five, ten years down the line from um, from from yeah. you and Valley. I think my experience, it was still pretty, you know, like, like 2006, 2007. It was, it was still very much kind of you go up there and it's, it's just hard and you're rolling about and you're exhausted and you're testing your limits um, kind of all of the time, you know, as you go through. And it's, um, and, and I think it's Brad Skolovaco actually who recounted it. Yeah, a trip where he, he went to Russia and then said um, that Michael was like, you guys are not breathing. You're not standing up straight. You need to, you know, relax more. And it, and it was almost as if he there was a decision made at some point somewhere along the line, like, oh, all these dumb Americans can't even stand up or walk or breathe. So we're going to have to give them a framework, you know, something like that. <laughs> and at that point, they started emphasizing those things. I don't know how, how true that is or how much that came together at that time. But uh, that was Brad's impression for, from that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Brad, I think Brad came over, I don't know. For me, the maybe the third or fourth trip, somewhere around there. Yeah. So he okay. he got in he got in fairly early for going over to Russia. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you know, I was working with Vlad one day, and uh, it was after he came back from Russia. Yeah. Uh, before, and I don't know if it was before he took a group. It obviously, it was after he took a group over. But it was like, oh my gosh, David, Michael taught me this breathing that unbelievable what you can do once you learn how to breathe properly. Mm. And I'm looking at him going, what are you talking about? Mm. <laughs> right. So yeah, one of the trips, one of the trips I was over there, um, might've been the second trip. It was either the second or third trip. And that's when I got introduced to breathing. Mm. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I never did any breathing with Vladimir. Mm. Now you do a lot of breathing with Vladimir. Oh yeah. But at the time, at the time when I got in, uh, you know, it was all foreign to me, mm. um, and it's they taught different progressions of breathing, how to breathe, how to not to breathe, how to do this and how to do that. You know, yeah. we spent a whole day uh, walking around a uh, an indoor soccer field. Yeah, doing nothing but breathing. Yeah, and it was like what yeah. world of difference. Yeah, that's you know, some, that's yeah. something um, that we were both out. I remember in I think it was about two thousand and nine. It was up at HQ, and maybe that was um, yeah. And Vladimir again, it was two days of 
pretty much just breathing. It was just a lot of just walking around the old HQ, like just in circles and doing different yep. work patterns and exercise with it. And then maybe towards the end of the day, we attacked each other with knives and watched the effect of breathing and how calm we could keep ourselves as a result mm-hmm. of that and things like the psychological effects and how to pressurize the body in different ways and use breathing as a replacement for tension in a, in a sense, right? To give you the stability that you would otherwise try and compensate with, with your muscles, you know, kind of that kind of, and I thought it was fascinating just to spend two days breathing that way. And I came back with a completely different view of what it was for and what it could do. Exactly. You know, it's like, not exactly. that I've mastered it or something, but I was just like, wow, there's so much potential here that I've not even tapped. It just opened my mind to what was possible, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And Vladimir told me once, it was like, you know, when he first started talking to me about breathing, it was like, have you ever put yourself to the point where that, you know, you have to get your second wind? Yeah. I said, oh yeah, for sure. Hmm. He said, the second wind means nothing. Hmm. What? He said, you have to be able to get your fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth yeah. second wind. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what, what in the world are you talking about? Yeah. But, you know, you study with Vladimir long enough, you learn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there was one key drill. I remember he was doing, I think it was on one of the immersion camps, and it, and it was in, like, in the morning. And, uh, and it was just basically jogging around a big field, same thing, you know, you know mm-hmm. or something like that. And he'd have us like, jogging at a light pace, and then you inhale, exhale, hold on the exhale. And then you run for as long as you can, or you just jog for as long as you can on the exhale, right? Um, and then when you have to breathe, when when you run out of the you know capacity to hold, uh, you have to run faster, like, and and then recover with burst breathing, and then immediately you have right. to inhale, exhale, hold your breath again, and then jog at a light pace. And so you basically you go faster when you're recovering, and it and it's it's terrible, and you think you can't get through it. And he's like, you have to do this at least five, six, seven times, <laughs> and you can see people just <laughs> dropping. You know, people would just give up pretty quick. But I, I I've said to myself at the start of that camp, I was like, he's same sort of thing as you were saying when you went to Moscow. I'm like, they're not going to kill us. Surely they're not going to kill us they can't let us drown right <laughs> i'm like exactly. so whatever they ask us to do it must be that they know it's within our capacity so i just made this promise to myself i'm like whatever they tell me to do i'm gonna do it and it doesn't matter you know i'm just gonna I, as soon as i let that little voice in my head offer the possibility of failure then then i've lost the experience right i'm not gonna get enough from it so i just trusted it and kept going and sure as hell there it was as you know five six seven times it wasn't pleasant but I, I found this reserve from somewhere and kept going. And then afterwards, I exactly. felt amazing, like energized afterwards, you know, relaxed, alert, sharp. And my vision seemed sharper, all that kind of stuff, you know, just mm-hmm. by trusting in that process. I thought, uh, that was incredible, I thought. Yeah, I, I, I explained to people uh, about the breathing. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe it's the right way to talk to them. Maybe it's not the right way to talk to them. But the breathing is, should put you in a mindset hmm. so that you are become more sensitive and more alert. Yeah. So yeah. some people just breathe in, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, and they're thinking about, oh, I got to pay bills tonight, or I got to do this, or I got to do that. That's not the, 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 uh, the essence of breathing. Hmm. And I go, the essence of breathing is, I said, is to slow time down. Hmm. And it's like, what do you mean? I said, look here, here's my explanation. Have you ever been in a real good car accident, hmm. or seen a real good car accident? Yeah. That happens in slow motion. Yeah. And why does it happen in slow motion? I said, because it happens in slow motion because nothing else in the world matters at that particular moment. Yeah. Except what's going on. Hmm. Afterwards, your heart might start racing and you're thinking all over the place and you have to get out and shake your pants out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, but at that moment, Hmm. that's the moment that we're looking for when we work with Sistema. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's what we're tro- that's what we're supposed to find, in my opinion, is where we sp- should be while we're working system. Yeah. So sure. as somebody's throwing a punch to you or a kick or whatever it may be, you have all the time in the world to get out of the way. Hmm. There's no reason to speed up and move. Hmm. If you speed up and move, you're not in that mindset. Yeah. So breathing is the is a pathway to creating that mindset in yourself rather than that just having it happen to you in a panic situation and not be able to, you know, work Correct. with it. Yeah. Correct. And and the thing is is that, you know, if you're standing out on a street corner, somebody comes up to you and scares you, you cannot stop yeah. your uh um adrenaline from pumping. Sure. Yeah. You cannot. It's you're, it yeah. happens automatically. What you can do is learn to control it to slow to calm yourself back down after that happens. Yeah. Definitely. You know, that that's what you have to do. How fast can I control it? Get back to a to a, a, a nice, even mindset. 
Emmanuel Manolakakis will be coming to Durham, North Carolina on the weekend of January the 26th, 27th, 2019 for a two-day exploration of deep Sistema principles. To register online, visit www.ncsistema.com slash events. Before September the 1st, podcast listeners can claim an additional 10% off using the discount code HITME at checkout. That's H-I-T-M-E at the online checkout. Hope to see you there. Yeah, it's funny. So the, so the example of car crash, I was, I was in one in Japan. I used to live in Japan once and I was uh, with a, a colleague who just got a new car or just got a new engine put in his car and it's kind of souped up, you know, a little racer thing. And um, and it was so ill-advised, you know, we'd been, we'd, we'd finished work and, you know, we were at a bar and we were kind of had a bunch of drinks and I, the bar was right around the corner from where I lived. And so I could have walked home like quite comfortably in, in about two minutes. So I could have walked out. But this guy was just so, you know, keen to show off. He wasn't Japanese, by the way. He's from Chicago, but that's uh, not okay. here nor there. But, um, and he really wanted to show off his car. He's like, hey, jump in. I'll take you for a spin around the block so you can see what my car's like. And I was, you know, a little bit suzzled. And so I was like, yeah, okay. And we got in the car and I'm in the passenger seat. And he starts to take it around the block. And then he basically accelerates so that I can hear the the roar, you know, the acceleration of the, the roar, right. the engine kicking in, and I'm kind of really going for it. And I was kind of half excited, half like, oh, I'm not sure this is a good idea, but going along with it and that kind of peer pressure kind of sense, I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. There's nothing else on the road. You know, all the Japanese people are asleep. It was all fine. Um, and then we came around the corner and I just, he, he was going into this corner and I was like, this is too fast. It's, you know, in my mind, I was just like, he's not right. going to make this. And we just inexorably went towards this lamppost, like straight towards it, like as if oh, he was boy. just not cornering at all. And the kid, and he, he didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. He was just going straight at it. And everything seemed to slow down to me. And I was just thinking, why is he not turning? Why is, you know, what's going on? We're going to hit this thing. And mm-hmm. it's like I just watched it. And it went between the headlights. And it went halfway up through the grill of the car and into the front of the car. And we both like oh, smashed boy. forwards. We both had seatbelts. And I got maybe some whiplash in my neck. And so did he. He got some bruising maybe on his ribs. But the car was totaled, absolutely totaled. And, uh, uh-huh. and he nearly lost his job through it and all that kind of stuff in Japan. And had to pay for, you know, Japanese style. They're like, well, nobody was hurt. So you just pay for the lamppost, you know, that's all the police mm-hmm. said. So that's kind of funny. But I remember at the time, everything's slowing down and just thinking like I wanted to reach out and turn the wheel, you know, like, uh, you know, right. like I had time to do something, but I didn't, I was just watching it. Um, and in the years since, uh, since training Sistema, like more recently, a couple of times when I've been driving in North Carolina and come back from training late, like a deer or something has come out into the road in front of me, like just jump right out in the road. Mm-hmm. And, and I've and I've swerved and, and felt like I had, and it happened. I, was, I saw it, I swerved, the deer goes, and some of that is luck. Sometimes the stupid deer just goes the same way, right? Um, but I found that I had time to swerve and this has happened six, seven times. And then afterwards, my heart rate's going, do, 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 do. And I was like, oh, that was close. I nearly hit a deer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, but in the moment I was able to kind of see it and work with it a little bit and i definitely credit that to to training or understanding this this aspect of kind of time dilation you know this this that it happens anyway and you can either use it or you can watch it happen you know like exactly but i think the the trick there is is kind of what you're saying is that um, breathing you can use breathing to put yourself in that state you don't have to wait until you're in what your nervous system feels like is a life-threatening state, right? You can do it in training. And, Correct. And, and then you can work on that, and then that will, you know, pay off in emergency situations of all kinds, you know, not just fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, so have you, um, have you ever experienced that? And Because I know you've worked, um, or you mentioned before we were on there, um, as a paramedic and, like, a, in the fire department as well. Have you, did you, have you had to um, apply to skill, skills or kind of methods well, of like course. that from Sistema that you've seen, like, in in the field and is, is there any stories that you feel comfortable sharing about that? Yeah. Well, I look at it just a preference to this is, as you said, you just, something in your mind told you we're going too fast. We're not going to make that curve. Yeah. So I, I word it as to, you know, that's God speaking to you and that still small voice that something in your head tells you something. Mm. It's your responsibility to pay attention to that. If you don't pay attention to it, boom, things happen. Yeah. Okay. So I'd have to think of something, but I mean, I know one, one incident where I was on I-95 and I'm driving and I'm coming up behind this, uh, this truck pulling a, uh, a, a trailer or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I go, I just, something in my mind says, I don't like the looks of that. Yeah. Speed up and go by. And then my mind said, back off. Mm. so you pay attention to that because if you just not pay any attention to it you always get yourself in trouble mm. so i backed off 
And as soon as I backed off, the tire of the, of the truck came off the truck and rolled right in front of my car. Wow. You know, I mean, this is a big truck tire. Yeah. And so if I tried to go by, I would have got hit by the, 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 the truck tire. Wow. Yeah. You know, so, and, you know, and I could, there's, there's other incidents, but you know, you have to pay attention to that. Yeah. You know, like, oh, let me reach up here and get this and, and, and try to turn this light bulb. No, it's a little too far out of my reach, but no, I can make it. Next thing you know, you're on the ground because, you know, something told you not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but ah, oh, it's okay. Right. Uh, you know, or even driving in traffic, you know, I, I'm going to go around this way today. No, take another route. Now, this is the route I always take. And then you're in the middle of, uh, you know, stop traffic and you lose an hour of time. Yeah. You know, yeah. pay attention. You have to pay attention to all that and then heed what, what uh, you know, you're learning. Yeah. Yeah. Instincts are powerful, right? They're, they've kept us alive for a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we ignore them at our peril. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only reason why I'm here for so long. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so as to the other aspects of um, what's, what have now become kind of like the pillars of Sistema. So, it's, so breathing, that was introduced to you. And then, you, you know, at some point along the way, that kind of changed your views of how things work. What's, what's your conception of structure within Sistema? Because it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I mean, in very... Um, simple terms, you know, when we teach beginners, it's like you have to maintain your structure. You have to keep a straight spine. If you lean or bend or put yourself out of position, then your muscles compensate in, in various ways and you're kind of unbalanced for that reason, right? And it's difficult to express power. It's difficult to stay relaxed and it's difficult to breathe when your structure is compressed or twisted in some way. So that that's kind of like a fundamental way. But for me, my understanding of it has, has changed to encompass as well the idea that there's, there are shared structures, you know, between people, whenever you make contact with people, you, you're making kind of like a, a partnered structure and, and what you do is one half of that kind of table and you can affect the other person through that. And there are, there are structures even around you in the room, you know, that you, you have to kind of, especially with multiple attackers, you have to kind of feel the, the shape of everybody. It's, it, it's, is that kind of making sense? And how is your, what, what does the structure of the concept of structure mean to you um, at this moment in your training? That that what you're saying is very very true. Hmm. I, I look at structure as to a little bit, little differently. Okay. Yeah. You know, once once you, if your spine is straight, as you alluded to. Yeah. I can put all the pressure on your head and push into the ground as much as I can, and you can carry, you know, maybe two three hundred pounds without moving. Yeah. If I move your spine or your neck a quarter of an inch. You can no longer support or hold that weight. Sure. Yeah. So when you're moving in structure, if you, as you said, you bend this way, bend that way, you're compromising your position. Yeah. You're compromising your form. You're compromising your structure. Mm. I go a step further and say, what I am looking to do, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm not predetermining. I'm not trying to anticipate. I'm not trying to guess what you're going to do to me. Yeah. Because I believe what you do toward me tells me what you want me to do towards you. Mm. Because Vladimir taught me early on, David, it's not what you want to do. It's what I'm telling you to do to me. Yeah. Okay. So with that, where is the tension in my body? If I bend a little bit, I've created tension into my body. Yeah. Okay. So in Sistema, we're supposed to work tension-free, correct? Yeah. As a manager tension, not necessarily. Yeah. Being controlled. Well, as, yeah. you know, you have a certain amount of structure sure. and a certain amount of form that your muscles and your, and your whole body and your bones and everything else like that have to do to, to support yourself. Sure. Yeah. But if I reach across my my center line, yeah. then – I should feel tension yeah. in my in my back or whatever it may be. Yeah. So the way I move is not is to move as freely as I possibly can. Yeah. So your form should not be bent because now you're creating tension in your body. Yeah. So I want to get back into a tension-free state as as quickly as I possibly can. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that whole idea of returning to form is a fairly fundamental thing, right, that we um, teach folks as they come back through. But it's interesting when you see people that come from other arts, and you, you alluded to that you've done, um, like Xing Yi, some Tai Chi, Bagua, things like that in the past. I, I see people come from those backgrounds, and they have a really interesting 
you know, the ability to keep themselves relaxed, keep their shoulders relaxed and keep their hands heavy in ways that people who haven't studied like soft or internal arts before um, have trouble with, right? If you come from kickboxing, it's it's, not, it's a bit of an alien concept to be able to do that. Um, Correct. But, but they still kind of have this idea that you need structure by, you know, separating and planting your feet and you have to work from like a stable, solid base. But an interesting characteristic of Sistema, I think, is that you can work on one foot, you can work between footsteps, right? You can fight while you walk. Um, you don't necessarily have to root yourself to, to the ground with your feet. And for some people that can kind of produce some kind of this kind of strange dichotomy in their minds it's like well in order to be powerful i have to plant my feet and you see them right they move quite well when they're escaping and then as soon as they um want to counterattack, they want to strike or they want to grapple they plant their feet and lean forward right? <laughs> and, yes. and they show you yes. that they're about to attack and they also lose power in doing that right and but it's but Correct. it's quite it's quite difficult at times to to, to maintain that structure and um, and trust in the fact that you don't need to have both feet planted had, had you experienced that in any stage in your training and how did you kind of get over that um, in your own mind? How did you switch mindsets? Well, I've always said, if you're going to study Sistema and truly understand Sistema, you have to change the way you think. Yeah. If you're not willing to change the way you think, you're not going to really grasp the whole essence and the whole value of what Sistema has to offer. Yeah. Um, you said earlier that, you know, as you escape... Yeah. See, I look at it totally differently than from an escape. Hmm. My escape is an attack. Yeah. I am not trying to get away from something that you're doing. Sure. If you're going, if you're trying to move me to the right, I go to the right. I don't fight it. I don't, I do it. Hmm. And so it's okay if you root a little bit as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. That, that comes from a Tai Chi background. Yeah. But the difference is that I find is y your your feet are truthfully your foundation. Yeah. Okay. You have to. And, and the thing is, is that I, I see is that they'll plant the feet and both feet and figure like, okay, let me move. So there's three different ways of moving from the ground up, mm -hmm. from the top down and independently. Okay. So Vladimir talked to me early on and it was like, you know, everybody studies martial arts. you got to have your inahara and your tent, tantanium and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. He said, well, that's all well and good, but your brains are up here in your chest. Hmm. So you're, you have the freedom of moving. Whereas it's down in there, you don't have the freedom of moving. You get stuck where you are. Hmm. So to me. If you're thinking about what you want to do, you're behind the curve. Hmm. It has to come from the heart. Now you're feeling what's happening and you're moving from the heart. Hmm. You're ahead of the game. If I'm thinking, oh, he's going to throw the right hand, so I need to do this. Yeah. It's too late. You're behind the curve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I don't and know if that answered your question or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so, and there's definitely been an... Um, uh, a reconception in in my mind between especially over the last few years the way that Vladimir has been teaching um, structure and, and the whole idea of uh, especially in the parameters of power seminar like uh, last year year before this whole idea that you can escape to comfort right and that's something you can do if you feel threatened you can trust your feelings and you can move either before sure. the contact or on contact or yeah. when you're already being bent and you can escape to a position where you feel like you have your structure and 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 you feel safe whatever that means to you right um but what he was Correct. trying to emphasize is that um, you can do that but then the guy just keeps chasing you and attacking right there's only so many times you can escape to comfort um but <laughs> so as soon as possible you want to try and escape to power right you reposition yourself um in one movement to a position where you feel both safe and where you can express power where you can where you can um hold your structure and and grapple or you can hold your structure and strike you can you have the right distance you have the right timing you, you can do a number of different things from that position right or you could even escape from that position as well if you wanted to right if the guy counterattacks. So, right. so this whole idea of repositioning for power and there being no uh defend followed by attack it's kind of like a unified defend attack that's um that's something we've been exploring a lot over the past few years here at nc system and it's uh and that that sounds like very congruent with what you're saying just now true i yeah. i look at it as to you know, I see things a little bit differently. So it's not that this is right or wrong. Yeah. You have to find it inside yourself. Yeah. You know, early on, Vladimir told me, he says, David, this is not my Sistema. Yeah. When I became an instructor, it is your Sistema. Yeah. So, so anyway, with that being said, 
if you are looking in the soft style martial arts and understand the soft style martial arts, I'm yielding. You've done. I, you mentioned Aikido. Yeah. Uh, I love Aikido, mm-hmm. but to me, Aikido has, and I don't mean anything wrong about it, has too much wasted movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You move and you move, you move, and then something happens. Yeah. So my whole theory is that as soon as somebody moves to me, I'm going to take control of the situation. Yeah. And I'm going to control them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to escape and let them come back at me. I'm going to control them so I know right where they are and what's happening next. Yeah. And and if you if you understand boxing and different things of that nature – most of the people out there on the street, if they throw the right, the right's going to come back and they're going to throw the left. Yeah. The left is going to come back and they're going to throw the right. Mm-hmm. So as I'm positioning myself and moving, I already know what's coming next. Yeah. So I'm a step ahead of them. Sistema really is a chess match. Mm. And you need to be four or five or six moves ahead of the first move that person takes. Yeah, yeah. That's certainly how it feels when you work with advanced practitioners. You know, when I work with Vladimir, it's like no matter how much I feel like my skill might have come on, like from year to year, when I got to HQ, I'm like, ah, oh, he's still seven moves ahead here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> whether you're on exactly. the ground, whether you're standing up, is like it's like it doesn't it's matter. Like you're announcing your intention from a, over a hill with a trombone before you come over. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know like, and I, I look at Vladimir, and, and I, it's just hard for me to comprehend. Yeah. I look at Vladimir and. In my in my own mind, it's like I don't know how anybody could beat Vladimir. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, he to me, he's that good. Yeah. Well, I'm over in Russia, and Vladimir is working with with Michael. Mm. Vladimir can't touch Michael. Right. So I I question him. I said, "What is this?" Mm. And uh, he just. You know, I mean, it's just like it's mind boggling that Vladimir cannot do anything against Michael. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's mind boggling. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then I, I'm, I'm speaking with Michael and, uh, you know, I, I'm asking questions and I'm trying to learn and so forth and so on. And and then Michael makes a statement to me, David, you would be surprised or you would be amazed at what some of these people over here can do as if Michael can't do anything. Mm. And it was like, that was a, that just blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are levels, right? There are definitely levels. It's a, uh, it's, it's, I remember it's funny. Uh, some of my students, uh, there's, there's one of them, uh, Brian Marco has been training for some years. He's an instructor in training now. He's very dedicated. He comes up to HQ um, like every year with me all the time. And he's been training for some years. And one of his friends, he pulled into training some years back. Alan Moore, also been training for a lot of years. And uh, and I think Martin Wheeler was coming across to do a seminar. He's actually coming this weekend as well. And, okay. You know, got a big thing coming along. But he was coming across to do a seminar, I think, in D.C. And we were traveling up there for it. And Alan had only just started training. He's like, well, who's this Martin Wheeler guy? And, um, and Brian was like... Trying to explain it to Alan, he's like, you know how you know you think Glenn is a badass, <laughs> and and it's difficult yep. for you to understand how you could kick his ass. And he's like, yeah, and he goes, well, Glenn is like a toenail on Vladimir, and <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you can't get, and uh, you know that kind of thing. And he goes, and, and Michael's somewhere in between, you know, like he's like Martin Wheeler could kick Glenn's ass like with his eyes closed, and uh, and Martin goes up to Vladimir and feels the same thing, and Vladimir goes to Michael. He goes, there's an order to it that you can't see. He's like. <laughs> He goes, it's yes. not a brown belt and a black belt. It's like there, there are exponential levels of skill improvement between these yeah. levels. You know? It's, you know. So it's kind of funny. That was that was kind of funny to me. It's like, yeah, he's a toenail on him and he's a toenail on him. I thought it was kind of funny. Well, yeah. I think it was um, the very first time Michael came to the, to the United States. Yeah. A good friend of mine, I'm not going to mention any names, but a good friend of mine is like way, way, way up there in the um, – um, now my mind just went blank. Um, he's in a muscle system. Or I can't anything? think of this style right this second. He'll come to me. Sure. But anyway, I mean, it, it's, you know, he's very, very proficient in his style and he studied with, uh, like every grandmaster that he could study with. Yeah. So, you know, I know him and it was like, you know, I'd like to work with Michael. Mm-hmm. So I talked to Vladimir to, to interpret and so forth and so on. And I said, you know, I'd like this guy to 
come out and work with Michael a little bit, and he'd like to work with knives. Hmm. Um, and so he got called out there, and he come out there, and, and he's trying to attack Michael with a knife. Hmm. And uh, you know he can't, he cannot do anything. Hmm. He cannot do anything. Hmm. So the demonstration lasts for you know 15, 20 minutes or whatever it may be, and. Uh, Later on that afternoon or evening, I, I met back up with him and I started talking to him and said, you know, what <clears throat> what was it or what did you learn or how did you feel about the way Michael works? Yeah. He says, David, I've studied with this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. You know, I've studied with everybody that is anybody in this art with with knives and weapons and everything else of that nature. Hmm. I want, let me just explain one thing to you. Where Michael is today and where all these grand masters are that I studied with, Michael is a grown man. These guys are just now in the crib. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a huge separation there. Yeah. You know, and this is how this is how good, uh, you know, Michael is. Yeah. It's, it, and, can get, and, it gets so frustrating sometimes uh, for me. That, I mean, we understand this because we felt it and we've been in the system and we've trained with you know, really good people. I mean, you mentioned Aikido. I trained, you know, under Motohiro Saito in, in Japan for, you know, a couple of years. He was a direct right. student of, you know, O-sensei. And incredible. I, I was trained with really world-class people in Aikido. So I, I knew what it was to train with people with immense skill and an understanding of distance and timing and power and all of those things. Um, and then came back and, and worked with a systemic student in London and, and found that he could make me feel like a toddler, you know, and he wasn't even that good. In <laughs> retrospect, he wasn't even all that good in Sistema terms, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? But then working with Vladimir, I'm like, well, this is just something else. You know, there's, there's just depths here that I couldn't even see. Um, but it's, it's so frustrating that, you know, it, not the into it, but when you see people, we're trying to kind of, um, you know, propagate Sistema through, you know, online and stuff like that, that there's just videos flying everywhere and people just look at Michael and all they see is this big, chubby guy who looks like a you know a jolly monk you know or something like that he doesn't he doesn't look dangerous <laughs> he's not your conception of like a highly trained highly conditioned martial artist There's, he just doesn't fit what you expect at all um no. and his his movement is so kind of transcendent and it's so far ahead of the curve of what the people are attacking are doing you know um and increasingly as well he's more interested in the softness of sistema and, and showing what the possibilities are so not all of the things that he shows are combated now right he's uh right. He's doing a lot of kind of drills about concepts and it's just so wildly misinterpreted people like oh this guy he moves slow and that guy it looked like he didn't even know, know what he was doing he didn't attack properly it's like no he had tried tried to attack properly but michael already positioned himself right with yes. almost nothing with a small internal movement so that the, the attack was fouled from the very beginning the guy didn't have an opportunity right and we can see this but it's, yeah, it's, well, it's, this so, is, it's so frustrating when I other say. people look at it and they're like oh if that was me yeah, oh, this, is, this, is, like, fake. this, is, this yeah. is fake it's not sure. good so forth and so on and i yeah. say you know what you're absolutely correct yeah. i agree with you it looks fake and it looks like it's choreographed and it looks like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. I said, I agree with you that it looks that way mm-hmm. because you have no idea what you're looking at yeah. and you have no idea what you're feeling. Yeah. Because right. if you put yourself in that situation, mm-hmm. uh, you'll find out differently because yeah. you don't really understand what's going on. Yeah. And um, that brought me to something else uh, Michael told me once. But anyway, I, another thing's popped into my mind. One time when I was over there uh, with Michael studying, there was a guy from England, yeah, um, a black guy from England hmm. that held uh, three world championships all at the same time. Wow. And he looked like he was chiseled out of granite. Right. Was he like a boxer or a karate guy? Or do you, can you remember? He was a um, Val... Val um, Vale Tudo? Val, yeah. Oh, and Brazilian something no else. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so when we're there, Michael assigned him to me to, to work with him. <laughs> yeah. And he said, David, you show him how it all works and everything else of that nature. Right. And uh, so I tried to explain things to him and so forth and so on. And, you know, uh, Michael came to work with him a little bit. And, um, you know, he, he, he worked with Michael twice. Mm. The first time it was like Michael put some of his uh, – students with him yeah. and he was he had his students the guy from england was going to hit michael's students yeah and he's hitting them and hitting them as hard as he can as hard as he can and they're just standing there breathing yeah you can't do anything to him mm-hmm. so then he gets a little skinny guy 
and puts him out there. Mm. And now he really knows he's going to knock this guy out. And so he's hitting him in the stomach, hitting him in the stomach, and he's pointing to him. No, hit me in the solar plex. Right. Hit me in the solar plex. And he looks over to me and he says, David, this guy is jacking me up. Mm. I said, calm down. I said, no, no. <clears throat> he couldn't touch the guy. So mm. afterwards, you know, I tried – I worked with him for another day or two and said, you know, take it easy. Mm. We're riding in a car with him and his girlfriend calls. Mm. And I can hear him on the phone talking to his girlfriend. And he says, the girlfriend asked him, you know, are you really showing these guys how, you know, who's the boss and all this other kind of stuff? Like, you know, she knew that he was like the best thing that there ever was. Yeah. And you could hear him say, no. And she's going like, what do you mean? He goes, <laughs> he goes, no. These guys can kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Uh, he took a couple punches from Michael. Yeah. And um, and then Michael talked to him and said that, you know, I can and he didn't like the punches that Michael gave him. Mm. And then Michael said, you know, I can hit you and leave a punch in you and it will stay inside of you for one year. Mm. Freak the guy out. <laughs> so a couple of days later, you know, I said, look, just relax. Take it easy. I'm trying to work with him and tell him all this other kind of stuff. Mm. But he's still bound and determined. That he's going to show Michael who's the boss. Hmm. Michael hit him when he was working. I don't know if he separated his sternum or broke three or four ribs. Yikes. And, you know, because it's too much tension. Yeah. He was going to show Michael how tough he was. Yeah. And the word that I got was when he went back to England, he dropped all martial arts and just quit. He wow. could not handle the fact because of the ego. Yeah. He could not handle it. Yeah. That, you know, somebody could do something like that to him. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, just it's, a, it's, it's, it's in some ways it's not for everybody. Right. There's some people that are just going to be unable to get over that pride barrier. Sometimes I think or they've just spent too many years practicing the opposite mindset. Um, but I think if it, it, there's to my mind, I wish everybody would try it because it can help pull you out of that mindset. Sure. Uh, but I, I think over the years I've come to realize that not everybody's capable of it. either. <laughs> no, I'd, no. Like to, I'd like to think they are, but I just don't think they are. I think some people are just too, uh, too entrenched and they're too attached to their, their other way of thinking about themselves. You know? Well, yeah, I work yeah. with one guy, um, that, you know, he, he asked me, you know, uh, you know, are you a black belt or you what? I said, no, I just do system. I mean, that's just, you know, no, I just do system. I just, I left all the other stuff behind. Yeah. And uh, so he starts working with me and he can't do anything against me. Mm -hmm. He can't do anything. And I mean, after the, after it was over, um, he started coming up and talking to me and he was, he was, uh, uh, I think he was a third or fourth degree in, in, uh, in Kempo. Yeah. And I said, look, all I'm trying to do is show you, you know, something that maybe if I offer you another tool that you can put a different tool in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to change what you do. I'm not trying to do anything. But if, you know, you can pick up something here and it gives you another tool, then that's great. Yeah. He said, I've studied. I've studied Kempo for 27 years now because mm. I started when I was a kid. I can't afford to throw all this away to learn what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's fine. You know, I'm not asking you to change, but it, it just, when somebody is in that mindset, yeah. You know, I don't force myself on them, but if yeah. you're what you're doing and you've been doing it for 20 something years and it's not working, I would mm. think you'd want to change something. Yeah. That's, I think, um, economists and behavioral economists refer to that as the sunk cost fallacy, right? It's like, well, I've put this amount of money into it. So even though it's losing money and I'm losing money day after day and, you know, you were saying earlier on about um, renovating a house, you know, some people buy up an old house and think they're going to do it all up and then they're going to sell it for hundreds of thousands of dollars more. And when they get in there, they realize the foundations are crappy and you know, it's, got, <laughs> it's got mold or something like that. And it ends up costing them way more, but they won't let it go. They won't just be like, well, you're right. I, I lost you know, a hundred grand on this house or something, but I, I just need to cut my losses and get out. They're like, no, if right. I just keep going, I can do it. And it ends up being this endless pit. Yeah. And I think sometimes people do that with uh, training too. They're like, well, you know, I put 14 years into Aikido in my case. Right. And so I was reluctant to let it go. I'm like, oh, I worked really hard. I got the Hakama. People bow to me, you know, there's a, there's a sunk cost in that and it's hard to give it up, but it's, um, and not that you have to, like you say, some people do very, very well at training both of them at the same time, but you at least have to be open to the possibility that you have to let some 
things go in order. You got to put something down and pick something up, something up, something up, something up, something up. So yeah, and some people won't. Some people are just uh, trapped into that sunk cost fallacy, and they're like, "Well, no, I've got thirty years of this, so I can't start again now." So you can start again at sixty. You know, if you really want to. You know, I've, oh, absolutely. I've, I have students who are sixty odd who have just started, and they're like, "This is wonderful. I wish I found it earlier, but I'm glad that I found it at all." You know, so, mm-hmm. so you know, there's that too. Great. So, See, so you still I, I teach it? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I look at it as to. I told you earlier that, you know, all martial arts are good. Yeah. Uh, The way I really look at it for my own personal self is all the training that I've done is the different styles and all of that. I put it into an analogy that says all the other martial arts that I studied taught me the alphabet. Mm -hmm. It taught me A, B, C, D, E, F, G, so forth and so on. Mm Mm-hmm. What did Sistema teach me? Sistema taught me how to take each letter in the alphabet and create as many words as possible that I can create. Mm. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So you have a form that this is what you have to do, and, and you're pigeonholed into that, that it has to be done this way. Yeah. Well, Sistema says I can create whatever I want to create because I have the freedom of creating whatever I want to create. Yeah, I guess like the difference between cop- copying somebody else's piece of music and, and composition, right? It's kind of something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, fascinating. So, are you still teaching in the in the Florida area? Do you um you still? Yeah, I like some of Miami. Or? No, I don't. I don't. I'm in West Palm Beach. Oh, sorry. Or, or, or Palm Beach. Yeah. Um, and I like to say that you know I'm way down from HQ. Yeah. And uh, you know I like to just fly under the radar. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just keep it quiet down here. I do. I teach. Uh, you know, um, Vladimir knows who I am, and I know who Vladimir is. And yeah. I know who Michael. You know, so forth and so on. But, um, you know, I know we got away from a lot of the stuff in Moscow and you want to talk to me about Moscow. Yeah. But, uh, you know, whatever, we can get back on that subject if you like. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of I just kind of like what I say, fly under the radar down here. People yeah. that know who I am, they'll come study with me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's getting to the point now there's so many people in there that yeah. it's like, oh, that's that old guy. Well, that's fine. <laughs> you're, you're happy with that identity. Yeah, you know, yeah. and then somebody will say, somebody will ask somebody that I'm training with or working with, and they go, you know, uh, who'd you study with? And it was like, oh, well, you know, I did this and I did that and so forth and so on. But then they might mention well, David Merrill, and then it's like, oh, that explains it. Right. <laughs> that's a good place to be when you have your own reputation and you don't need to push it. So that's good. No, you know, so yes. I, I just like, you know, I don't, I don't talk about myself that much. Yeah. You know, Vlad says, you know, you know, show your work, yeah. you know, but when I, when I first started learning, whether it was Michael or Vladimir, I can mm. never, I'll never forget the fact that, you know, Michael was doing stuff and it's like, it's mind boggling what this guy can do. Mm. So his explanation at the time was, you saw me do it. So do it. Mm-hmm. That was all you got. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, what do you mean? I, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. What I found was if you work with somebody that knows what they're doing and if you're working on one to one, you know, I do one to you, you do one to me. Yeah. Um, if I don't know what to do, pay attention to what you did to me and then try to mimic that. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. To build like a repertoire of as to what you're trying to do. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. when I first started learning with Vladimir, that's the first thing he told me. Never, ever, ever do the same move twice. Mm-hmm. It was like. What? He says, never, ever, ever do the same move twice. Hmm. And, and you know, maybe Vladimir remembers, maybe he doesn't remember, but if he saw me doing the same move twice, I got hit. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, or you're standing there working with something, and if you don't move your feet, he'd hit you with a stick. Right. Yeah. Eventually, you realize, I don't want to get hit, and I need to do something. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a very quick feedback loop, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. Real. Well, well, I want to be mindful of your time, Dave. I know you've carved out a, a nice chunk for me this morning, and we're sitting at about an hour now. And, um, but I wonder if you'd be open to coming back on the podcast at a later date, and we could do a part two and hear more of your experiences in H. Uh, in Moscow, and it seems like there's we've barely scratched the surface of all the things that we can talk about today. But uh, um, but I'd love to get you back on the podcast if you if you're open to that. Yeah, just uh, just let me know, yeah. and uh, you know, I should be able to get free enough time to do it or something like that. But we'll work it out. 
Great. And, um, if, and if people want to want to get in touch with you or they want to contact you, uh, they're interested in training. Um, are you happy for me to put some um, details on the show notes for the people, the Sistema people who might be in there? Yeah. Yeah. The best way to catch me is is on my cell number, which you have. That's that's the fastest way to uh, uh, to get in touch with me. Okay. Great. Bro. Well. But we'll have some people winging their way to you in, in, in Palm Beach to, uh, to benefit from your years of training and knowledge. That's brilliant. Well, thank, thanks so much for taking the time out today. And that's, that's, that's been enlightening for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to our, our next conversation and the next opportunity we have to, to train together again. Okay, Glenn. Thank you so much. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, David. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com.